In the middle of a little series um, called uh, Five Essential Nutrients, and what we're doing is we're looking at uh, the sort of main components, uh, the things that we would say would be sort of readily identifiable as experiences that we have as humans in our, in our journey uh, of faith that actually bring us closer to God and bring us to a place of deeper relationship with him, uh, a place of, uh, of spiritual maturity. Now, spiritual maturity, that's kind of like, who wants to be mature? That doesn't even sound like a very fun way to sell a sermon series to begin with. But, uh, but how, how do you become a person of, of great faith? How do you become a person of enduring faith? Uh, how does that actually happen in our lives? Uh, one of the questions, things that we, we often wrestle with is, is a desire to, to do this, but just practically, how does it work in our lives? What we've been identifying through the course of the series is really, if, if you talk to people and they sh- share their stories of, of how they've grown in faith, they'll probably mention things in, in all of these five categories, that there was some point in their journey when uh, biblical teaching came alive to them. Uh, there's something about a personal uh, component to their devotional life, a connection uh, with Jesus that happens in a, in a secret place. Uh, there's something about being in a place where uh, you're forced to teach, you're forced to uh, serve, you're forced to pour your life out a little bit. And when you're forced to engage and connect and, and give out from, from yourself, uh, you really learn in a context like that. Uh, this morning we're going to talk about serendipitous relationships, uh, what it's like to be in uh, a place where God has connected you with another human in such a way that it's going to uh, be a catalytic transforming thing in your life. Linda shared a brilliant story uh, in in the uh, announcement time talking about her friend Matt at Jericho Road, uh, brought through terrible circumstances into prison to meet somebody who pointed him towards Jesus. Matt looks back at his story and points to that person, that connection. That's kind of what we're going to talk about today. And then next week, we're going to talk about how uh, circumstances can be uh, catalytic and life-changing for us, uh, whether it's blessing or suffering. Uh, there's a way in which we can embrace circumstances in a, in, in a healthy way uh, that, that causes change and growth in our lives. So our definition of spiritual maturity or our definition of, of big and healthy faith is this, knowing Christ in a way that is characterized by enduring faith. So that idea of endurance is important as we unpack the scriptures in our introduction. Uh, and, and, and then a radical commitment uh, to imitate Jesus. So our character becomes like him, and then uh, joining him in his mission. So not only do we uh, have faith that endures, we know stuff that we're going to hang on to, not only uh, do we have character that becomes more and more like Jesus, but we begin to spend our lives and pour our lives out in the way that he did. And that is really what we say big faith is. That's really what big faith is. That's what, those are the people, the, the Corey Ten Booms, uh, the, the people in history that we look at as being uh, great heroes of the faith. And so this thing that we're talking about today, again, is this idea of serendipitous relationships. God putting people in our lives that are going to uh, help transform us, help change us, uh, and cause us to grow. So I just want to ask you a little question. Um, who has God used to make your faith bigger? Just think about your life and think back over your story. Um, who's God used to grow your faith? And maybe you're here, maybe this feels like not a fair question. If you're here and you're uh, not a Christian or you're not a person of belief, maybe a better question for you is, why, how did you even get here this morning on Sunday? Or, or what, at, 
What moment did somebody say something or do something that kindled uh, a bit of faith or kindled a spark of interest in your heart? How did God use that person? If you look back at your own story, I almost guarantee that you'll have one or two of those people in your life. I'm going to just ask you to be really bold right now for just a second. And since this is all about uh, relationships and connection and serendipitous connection, do you want to just look at that person beside you? Uh, maybe not your spouse or your family member. Can we interact with the humans for just a second? And just think about that person and just say one thing about that person uh, that was transformative in your life to the person sitting next to you. It's amazing, amazing. So some great stories there. Uh, for me, um, uh, one of the people that was uh, a, a real life changer for me was a man named Dick Grout. Uh, he was uh, just a prof at the school where I went, uh, Elam Bible Institute. Uh, it's a picture of him there and his wife, uh, Margie. I had a chance to see him when I was down there uh, uh, in the fall. And uh, you, you don't always connect with a professor. You don't always get to know them, but uh, I joined this team called Servant. It was a team that was going around and leading worship in a number of churches. And Dick Grout was the person who was leading the team. It was the first time I'd ever had to audition for anything in my life. And I just felt like, you know what, I, I have to try this. I have to go for it. I guess I auditioned for like little roles in high school plays, but for something that I actually really cared about and that my mom wasn't making me do, it was the first time I had to audition uh, for something. Um, but uh, so, so I connected with this, this guy, Dick Rowden, and, and just in, in that relationship with him, I had the opportunity to see uh, a man who, one, had sort of a deep sense of, of spiritual giftedness in terms of hearing from the Lord and a deep devotional life and, and somebody that I could really look up to as a teacher and a prof and somebody who was wise. Uh, but also, uh, I think what I learned most from Dick Grout was that uh, you can be somebody who follows Jesus in a radical way like that and be the most practical person on the planet. And the beauty of Dick Grout and who he was, was and, and still is, is he was uh, one of the, these bent back sort of people who is serving, who is on his knees, who is uh, picking up stuff on the carpet, who is winding cables, uh, setting up the sound system, who is uh, adjusting the chairs, who is doing every little practical thing uh, to make the space in which we were worshiping uh, keen and beautiful. And, and I learned uh, from him, and this was just catalytic moments in my life that my leadership as a pastor, my leadership as a person can't be a leadership uh, that's uh, up and above and on a holy tower, but it has to be from underneath from a servant, from the place of a servant. And so from him, um, I, I learned servant leadership. Another uh, example in, in Anne of my life was uh, this couple, Bob and Patty Butler. Again, a serendipitous encounter. Anna and I were in uh, Saskatchewan. Uh, we were pastoring our first ever church uh, with the uh, Cree people north of Saskatoon, uh, near Rostern, and we were uh, just caring for this, this church. We were, had been married for a month, and we were, you know, took a trailer out west and moved into this little community to just go and to care with one year of Bible school under our belt. And, uh, and, and we were getting smashed basically, right? Like we were getting smoked. Like it was a hard place to be as a new married couple with very little experience. And Anna went to a dance class with, uh, with this woman named uh, Patty. And Patty and Anna got talking and Patty just invited Anna to her home church. 
or small group, just like, just like ours. And we trucked down to Saskatoon and uh, went and we spent some time with, their, with them. And just through that connection of Anna's interest in a dance class and through an awkward conversation at the end of one of those classes, uh, Anna built a relationship that literally saved our bacon in the north of Saskatchewan. So uh, I think if you talk about your story and you really unpack some of these, there's tons of people that have done that uh, and, and just been that person to you that have helped you grow. And maybe some of you are longing for that. And so that's what we're talking about this morning is how to get in those spaces where we're connected with those relationships. Um, there's a great book. It's an older book. It's written, I think, in 2004 by Todd Bolsinger. Uh, that, that is uh, really, it takes a church to raise um, a Christian. And that's sort of, you know, play on words from the, the famous uh, African proverb, it takes a village to raise a child. And what he, he, he sort of challenges in us is our hyper-individualism in Western society. So Western culture tells us that the essence of humanity is our individual will, right? Like our ability to make our own decisions, to forge our own path, to rise above every circumstance, uh, to be the lone ranger, to be uh, the person who endures, to be the standing hero, the person who uh, is, is making it through uh, alone and on their own all the time. And we have this uh, high degree of, of uh praise, this high degree of appreciation uh, for the lone gunslinger, for that person who's out there. Uh, but Todd Bolsinger says this, but if God is a trinity, his very essence is loving relationship. Like if the trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God's very existence his very being, everything that he is, is a community. God is a community. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in communion, perfect unity with one another. Therefore, the true essence of humanity is God's creation. If we're created in his image, right, uh, must not be fundamentally individualistic, but it has to be relational. That to understand our being, to understand who we ought to be and what we ought to be as humans, that we're meant to be in a depth of relationship uh, with one another. And if you, if you look at what we uh, talk about in terms of salvation, um, in terms of the, uh, the message that we give, like what was the essence of, the, of evangelism in the early church? If you look all the way through the scriptures at every time like Peter is preaching or Paul is preaching, they, they use this phrase consistently through the Old Testament, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, in, in Mark, Jesus is talking, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Todd Bolsinger points this out. We say all you have to do to be saved is to accept Jesus into your heart. But I don't think that's the message that we saw. That's, that's not the fullness of the message that we saw in the, in the New Testament church. Uh, and Todd Bolsinger says this, over time I've come to realize that Paul would never have preached that message by itself. Instead, all of the early church preached, believe and be baptized. Have faith in Jesus Christ and join with the people of Christ be baptized into the body of Christ. Know the God who is community and become part of it yourself. That's the gospel call. That's the message. You're not called to become 
are in relationship with Jesus all by yourself in the same breath. Uh, the writers of the early church, the, the Pauls, the Timothys were out there consistently saying, uh, repent, believe in Jesus, be baptized, and join the party. Be baptized and join the team. There's something about the call to follow Jesus that, that flies in the face of our individualism. There's really an important principle at work here. Uh, our human relationships affect our spiritual trajectory. Your human relationships affect what your life is going to be like and how it's going to turn out spiritually. You can't have a positive spiritual outcome in your relationship with God all by yourself. Uh, Proverbs, uh, and, and you can't have it with bad influences. The people that you connect with are so important. Even just looking back to Proverbs, Proverbs thirteen twenty says this, walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Right? We know how that goes. Uh, how many of you want your friends, your kids to choose good friends in high school? Right? How many of you chose a few bad friends in high school? Right? Uh, we know that the trajectory of our lives changes when we're connected with people that are, uh, are, are moving us in a direction that, that's not healthy. We see it in the New Testament as well, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 33. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. I mean, that leaves questions for us. We want to uh, reach our friends that are unchurched and connect with them and have a relationship with them. So how do we balance that with having healthy relationships too? Uh, questions for us there. But the reality is, if we're honest, if we, if, we, if we go deep, there is a spiritual nature to our relationships. Humans are not just physical beings. We are spiritual beings, and when we have a friendship and relationship with another human, there's a connection that's spiritual there. There's a linkage there that affects the lives of both parties. And we see all kinds of stuff about that in Paul's teaching on human sexuality. Uh, when he's talking about sexuality, he's talking about that bond that happens uh, between people, and he's saying when you do that, you're not just connecting two bodies, you're connecting, uh, uh, making a spiritual connection that's affecting the body of Christ. Uh, so depending on the nature and the intent of those parties or people in those relationships, uh, that connectedness, that spiritual connectedness can obviously work for you or against you, right? You can choose to be connected in ways that are going to harm you and destroy you and hurt you, or you choose to be connected to people uh, in, in ways that are going to uh, draw you forward and draw you into a healthy uh, place. And for us at OVV, that's, that's really just the heart of what we're, we're, we're trying to do with home church, what we're trying to figure out in terms of inviting people into those relationships, into Zoomers and youth groups. Almost everything that we're doing as a church is trying to find a way to help people connect long-term uh, in healthy relationships with people who are going to have a positive impact on their spiritual journey. Uh, getting into home churches and getting in those places of connectedness is where it makes it possible uh, for that to happen. I mean, we can't control it, right? We can't make uh, relationships happen. Uh, we, can't, uh, we can't engineer it completely. We can't manipulate it. We can't control it. Uh, but what we can do is respond to God's invitation to get into spaces where those relationships can't happen. So if you're asking the question, how do I connect? How do I get into a place where I have positive, transformative uh, relationships with others? Uh, sometimes it's just 
as simple as putting yourself uh, in a group where that can happen. It's moving from this space, which is incredible and beautiful for us all to be here on Sunday morning. It's why we create just a few moments for us to have time uh, having coffee and connection. The hope that you can just make a little bit of a connection relationally, but we absolutely have to move from rows to circles. You can live a Christian life in rows to a certain degree, but if you want to grow as a Christian, you have to get out of the rows and also get into the circles. Circles are better than rows for growing deep and growing relationship. I just want us to look at, in, in the scriptures at, uh, at this great story of Philip and the Ethiopian and just look at how God engineered that relationship and put it together. And then we can maybe talk a little bit about... Um, about what that's, uh, that's like and how we can take some of those steps. So let's just read the text. Let's just pray before we go on. Uh, Father, thank you so much for the scriptures. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much uh, that as we read uh, from, from the Bible, we read something that transforms us, that makes us new. We open ourselves to be touched by it cognitively, to learn from it that way. We open ourselves to be touched uh, by it in terms of our heart. Uh, we, we know that there's something mystical happens that when you speak your word over us, that when we hear it, that it can change us. And we just say we're open to that, Lord. Do what you want to do through your word uh, this morning. Uh, so here's our text. I'm just going to read it, and then we're just going to unpack a few things. Uh, Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 31. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south. Uh, to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out. And on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury of the Candake, which means the queen of the Ethiopians. Uh, the man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading uh, Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you were reading, Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And we're not going to read the rest of the text, but as the encounter goes, uh, this was uh, an encounter that ended in the baptism of this, uh, this uh, person, this, uh, this eunuch, this Ethiopian fellow, uh, that he actually came to a place of faith in Christ and actually went from that place of personal relationship with God to being part of the community, baptized into the community. That's the trajectory of the rest of the story. But I just want us to unpack how that relationship happened because there's just some wisdom for us uh, to gain here. First uh, thing that's just crazy about this is that, you know, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road. Uh, so Philip just started out. You know, God did not give Philip Google Maps, <laughs> right? He didn't, give him, he didn't give him an itinerary. When, when you travel, how many of you are like itinerary people when you travel? Right? Les is definitely an itinerary person, right? I'm not an itinerary person. I kind of like to wing it. Uh, but some people are itinerary people, like we're going to go the here, we're going to make this turn, we're going to do this rest stop, uh, we're going to have hamburger, uh, we've got that in the budget, we're going to go on from there, we're going to get fuel uh, when we cross the border, because it's a little bit cheaper when we go across the border. Dave and Nancy were just telling me about their trip down to Florida. It takes them four days to get to Florida. Uh, I would try to do it in 20 hours driving straight, uh, but they're going to stop. She knows where she's going to shop. <laughs> where, are, where are you there, Nancy? Somewhere in here. Maybe she's... Oh, okay, they had to leave early. I just threw them under the bus. Um, that's okay. 
uh, you know, she knows where she's going to shop everywhere between here and Florida. Like she was telling me, you know, there's a great spot in Jacksonville. You know, like she knows where she's going to be. Uh, but, but Philip just heard from the Lord, uh, go. And what's interesting about this uh, place with Philip is everything was happening in Jerusalem. Like this was revival. Uh, they were uh, having to expand the leadership structure uh, of the organization. They'd appointed uh, some deacons to care for people. They'd done all of this stuff. It was happening. 3,000 people added to their number. Uh, it was this incredible booming place. And an angel of the Lord said, well, you're out. Just go down the road that, and get to that place, uh, the road that's going to take you to, to Gaza. And so he just, he started out. That's all he had from the Lord, was just go down the road, get to Gaza, and, and, and we'll see what happens. The Lord, I think, often, if we want to get in places where we're going to have relationships that are serendipitous, that are going to be transformative, that are going to change us, we have to get out of our comfort zone. We have to get out of the sweet spot where it's all happening and get to a place where we're maybe a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, all of us have patterns. All of us have uh, places. All of us have friendships that we connect with in a deep level. And all of us have things that are enriching for us there. But if you want to go to the next step in your journey with God, uh, it might mean going to a home church. It might mean uh, connecting with uh, a Bible study. Whatever it might mean for you, whatever your next step is that God has for you, it probably is a step outside your comfort zone, to get to a place where you just start out into something that's unknown. It's just connecting with something that's unknown. It feels risky. It feels uh, scary, but that's where connections are made, where transformative relationship uh, can happen. Uh, on his way, it says he met an Ethiopian eunuch. Uh, I, I, just, to, just to put this together for us, this story, like, okay, so God talks to Philip and he says, go to this place uh, in Gaza. Like, just go down the road and get there, right? Go down the road and get there. It says, on his way, he met the Ethiopian. So he met the Ethiopian before he got there. We have nowhere in the text that tells us what was supposed to happen when he got there. Right? The angel of the Lord said, go down there. Uh, go towards, uh, if, uh, towards Gaza. But on the way this happened, we don't ever have what happened later. He gets, at the end of the story, transported somewhere else completely. Like the Lord did not give him the picture at all. Uh, we don't get to control how it's going to happen. And, and, and if you think about it, the, the Ethiopian was already up in Jerusalem why didn't God just tell him to meet him there? He was on his way home. God sent him while he was leaving Jerusalem to go catch up with him. Like God did not plan this well. Are you, any of you concerned with God's planning abilities? Like, like he, he just does not quite know how to do a flowchart the way we, we think he should do it. Like, he, he, he must be confused or mixed up sometimes. I don't know uh, how that goes, but, but all we know sometimes is to get somewhere, and we know that something great will happen on the way, and then that somewhere we were supposed to get, or we think we were supposed to get, we may not even get there. The main event sometimes is just along the journey. <laughs> right? The main event is sometimes just on the road. It's not even the destination. God just calls us to get out there. It's out of our control. We can't control how it's going to work out, and we can't control with whom. It was a very unlikely connection for a Jewish man to sit down and have a conversation 
with, uh, with a man like an Ethiopian eunuch. One, he's a minister. He's an important person. He's got a chariot. And, and Philip was just this guy. Right? Uh, it always, if you want to build those connections and those relationships, it always feels awkward and cross-cultural and weird. God wants to connect us with people, but it's not always the people we think are natural connections. You might go sometime into a home church for the first time, and you might be, like, terrified about it. Like, man, I'm going into somebody else's house, and I don't know what it's like. Are they a good cook? Like, is the food, what's the food going to be like? Like, I'm gluten-free. Like, do they know that? Do they know that I can't do dairy? Like, like I don't, and, and they might, it might smell funny in there. Do they have pets? Oh, I hope their dog doesn't jump up on me. Man, they're weird. They're kind of weird at church. They're kind of awkward. Like, what's their house like? I'm just, I'm just selling us on how wonderful all of our people are. <laughs> Come to me. Like, I'm weird. Do you guys get it? I'm kind of weird. Do you want, and, like, you guys should be scared of coming to my house. What's it like? You don't know. I could have a great Dane that's like this big and it's going to look you in the eyes when you come to the door and slobber down your shoulder. What's it like? It's awkward. It's out of control. Uh, We can't control with whom God's calling us to connect. It's strange. It's different. So this man had gone uh, up to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home, he was sitting in the chariot reading from the prophet Isaiah. Uh, The thing that makes it possible to break through the weirdness and the strangeness of making connection and making new relationships is is you just got to trust that God is preparing that person for you as much as you're being prepared for them. And that's the beauty of it is, is Philip didn't know he was walking into a perfect setup for him. And we don't know that God's working us, walking us into perfect setups for us. He prepared him. And, and, and I just love in this story how the common ground uh, that, that happens for them is, is a connection with the Word of God. It's so often for us, even the story that Linda shared uh, earlier today, right? That moment of connection for those two people in prison was over the Word of God. Don't underestimate the unifying power of the scriptures or the connecting power of the scriptures. There's something about uh, the awkward question about what God is talking about in the Bible that just sometimes welds us together in the most powerful ways. Uh, That's why why in home churches, um, I'm going to pass these around actually. Uh, When we do home churches at OVV, um, you can just pass those around. Maybe I'll send some on both sides. Uh, We have question and answers uh, or questions that groups just go through together. Um, so sort of something we're starting, sort of basing the discussion in home churches on, uh, on a, unpacking the sermon time. So you have an opportunity to uh, hear a sermon on Sunday and then discuss it back in your groups. But it's engagement around the word that's transformative and that builds uh, those relationships that connects us. That's what happened for Philip in the Ethiopian. And it goes on. Uh, this man had gone on to Jerusalem to worship. He's on his way home. He's sitting in the chariot. He's reading Isaiah. Uh, Philip, uh, the Spirit just spoke to Philip. It's worth just noting that. I don't want you to be too distracted by those sheets, but Philip was just willing to be led by the Spirit, right? 
right? He's just willing to be led by the Spirit. The Spirit just whispered. I don't know what that was like for him. It's different for different people. Uh, for me, when, when I hear uh, the Spirit speaking to me, sometimes it's a, a picture or an image or a word. Sometimes it's a gut instinct. But you know sometimes that the Lord is calling you to go somewhere and to connect. Uh, one of the most dramatic experiences that I had of that as a, as a pastor is early in the life of the church, and there was a, a young woman who had been attending the church, and that we knew that she was uh, struggling. We knew that she was having some uh, difficulty uh, in her journey. And, um, and I just woke up one morning like, where is she? Like, just where is she? It just was this thing in my heart that is like, I don't know where she's at. I, I, I'm worried. Like, where is she? And I began to pray and pray and pray for this, uh, for this young lady. And, uh, and after sort of, I actually literally, I got in my car and started driving around like, like I think I'm supposed to find her. And, and before I even got, uh, got far in Carlton Place, the Lord gave me an image. You know the bridge sort of around behind uh, where the uh, town, um, you know, the, the snow plows and all that stuff are? There's the bridge, not the main bridge, but the bridge with all the fast running water. The Lord gave me a picture of her standing there and I drove and I found her on the bridge ready to jump off. Just an inkling from the Lord. And we have to hear those little things, those little whisperings. Uh, for Philip, it was just this, go to that chariot and stay near it. <laughs> like, that's so dumb. <laughs> Isn't that creepy? I'm just hanging around near your chariot here. You ever do that in the parking lot? Like, how creepy is that to go lean on somebody else's car? They're in there texting, talking on their phone or whatever. And you're just like, yeah, I'm just going to go hang out here. Hand on the, like, like, that's creepy. That's stalker stuff, right? But that's what Philip did, right? Is he, he just heard something from the Lord and was just obedient to do it just obedient to make that connection. Uh, relationship doesn't happen instantly. You have to listen to the Lord. And sometimes it's just waiting around for it to work. Sometimes it's just waiting around for an opportunity. But it's obedience of, to the Lord that sort of drives all that and makes it go. It says this, so Philip ran up to the chariot. And I love that. It's go hang out by the chariot. And Philip is like, he's enthusiastic. He ran up to the chariot, right? Okay, that's a big sheepdog kind of guy, right? And he goes running up to the chariot. He's like, he's like staring at the guy, right? Like, isn't this weird? Like, if you're the guy in the chariot, what is this guy doing? Like, probably your henchmen are like pulling their glocks and ready to, like, whatever, right? Like, like probably, probably like the security team is going to act right? So, so he does this. He goes running up, and, uh, and he sees that the guy's reading the, the, from the prophet, and Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? Well, like, the Ethiopian eunuch is an educated guy. Like, it's kind of a condescending question. Yeah. Like, that's what I would say. Like, even if I didn't understand, I would probably say, yeah, totally get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love this passage. It's so great. Connect with it every time. Right? But, but, the, but, but Philip just goes up and he, he asks the awkward question. 
building those relationships and connecting with those people, uh, get, finding that serendipitous relationship uh, in a home church, in a small group, at the coffee time, uh, with the person in church who is uh, here for, as a guest for the first time visitor. And, and they're sitting like, this is, this is one of the hardest things if you're a first time visitor in our church. Uh, if you're here and you're sort of sitting in those seats and you see everybody go up for coffee and you're like, I don't know any of those people. I don't want to go up there. I want you, if you know uh, that you're a fairly comfortable person, I want you to go and have an awkward moment with the person who's feeling awkward at the seat. Like, go do the awkward moment. Like, hey, uh, 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 I really like your hair. <laughs> or whatever, right? <laughs> like, whatever. Do you know about the Bible app? <laughs> right? Like, whatever it is, I don't care. Ask the awkward question and, and build the relationship. Like, it's always weird. It's never, uh, the beginning of a friendship is never easy and normal and cool, and you are never, ever, ever going to be slick. You're never going to be cool about it. You're going to blow it. Because you don't know that person. So you start in the awkward you start in an awkward home church where you don't know people. You bring your weird meatballs that you don't know if they're going to like or if there's everybody got sweet and sour meatballs this week. Whatever it is, you just show up and you do friendship and you try to figure it out. Because we're all people with all kinds of messes in our lives and it's going to be okay. For Philip, it was, he just knew it was going to be okay. He went through the awkward moment. And here's the beautiful thing that he found when he did that awkward moment. So he, he said, uh, the Ethiopian said, well, how can I understand it unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. That deep relationship and that really important moment was possible because he received it with humility and with teachability. So if we go into any relational connection like that, uh, the awkward moment happens to us or we're the deliverer of the awkward moment. Delivering it with humility and teachability and with questions and with uh, honesty and with authenticity. It's just gonna work out. And that spirit of invitation is, is so important. Like just, uh, I, I don't really know what Philip's manner was like. We can't read that really into the text, but uh, there, he was outside the chariot at some point and then he got invited in. Put yourself in a space where you can get invited into somebody's life or invite somebody into your life uh, that you're not comfortable with or familiar with. Extend the invitation and take the risk. And deep wonderful relationship can happen if you go from the awkward through the humility and to the invitation. So much richness, so much growth, so much wealth for us if we break down those barriers and take those risks. So the question for you is, you know, what might your next step be? What might your next step in connection be? How are you going to open your heart to being in a circle instead of in the rows? Maybe it is attending a home church for the first time. Maybe it is uh, inviting someone over to your home for coffee. 
maybe it's just reaching out and just risking uh, talking to someone you haven't talked before. I'm going to just pray for a moment and I'm just going to uh, ask us to just be silent because it's not just about uh, teaching stuff, it's about interaction with the Holy Spirit. But allow the Lord to speak as he spoke to the uh, Ethiopian and just whisper in your heart, what is your next step in finding a serendipitous relationship? We can't control it, we can't make it happen, but we can put ourselves in the right space. So let's just be silent for a minute. Lord, I just ask that you would uh, speak to us, that you would just whisper to us. Speak, Lord, your, your servants are listening. Show us uh, our awkward next step. Thank you, Father. And then just commit yourself to doing it. <laughs> Might take more time to process that, take that home and pray about it. And, I, and I, the other thing I want to talk about in terms of next step is that there's probably someone here uh, that your next step is to just believe to receive Jesus and to join his community. Um, to believe and be baptized. Maybe you're at that stage in your journey. Maybe you've been questioning, like, uh, can I get in on this Jesus thing? Uh, do I want to follow him? Do I trust him? Do I believe this incredible story about him having died on the cross for my sins and, and been resurrected from the dead and defeating death and, and wanting to give me new life? And maybe you're just in this place where that first awkward moment in relationship is to just say yes to Jesus and to let him into your life. And if that's your case here, I'm just going to allow a moment of silence for you to process that with God. To maybe take that step and maybe finally say, you know what, I don't get the whole picture. I don't understand the whole journey. I don't have all my theology straight or all my ducks in a row. But I'm just going to begin this Jesus journey and begin to learn about him. Let's just be silent for a moment. Lord Jesus, I ask that you would come and you would just speak. That you, just like uh, that Ethiopian eunuch, would um, make an invitation for us to journey with you. And would we just have the courage, uh, whoever's wrestling with that this morning, the courage to step into the chariot with you. to speak to some hearts here this morning. Thank you, Father. And just to encourage you, if you're in that place, you made that decision uh, in your heart, that there's something about joining this crazy lot 
something about being in this community. There's something about baptism. There's more to talk about, about being part of us. We are going to do baptisms. If that's something that you've been wrestling with um, in, uh, in, on Easter Sunday, actually, we'll have a tank of water like right here in this space. We got permission from the school to do that, uh, to signal uh, your desire to, to be a part of uh, the family in a radical way. More teaching to come on that, but, uh, but God bless you. Let's just stand and pray together. Father, thank you for this incredible community. Lord, we're just, uh, we, we just feel it's just so important that we, we go a little deeper in relationship, God. That if we're going to really stick together and grow together and, and be transformed, Lord, that we uh, need to open our hearts uh, to new people. We need them to be uh, people who are a positive, transformative influence in our lives. And there's probably someone out there that we can be a positive, transformative influence in their life. And so, Father, would you just uh, serendipitously, supernaturally, uh, beyond our control, uh, just begin making those connections and cause us to just be as obedient as we can be to follow you. Uh, grow us together, knit us together as a community. Uh, we pray for the many, many people who are, are outside these walls, who haven't attended church, who don't know that there's a place where they can worship you. They don't know about the rows or the circles yet. Father, would you invite them in and would you cause us to have hearts that invite them in? Let us have big hearts with room for lots of people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Lord, we're just, uh, we, we just feel it's just so important that we, we go a little deeper in relationship, God. That if we're going to really stick together and grow together and, and be transformed, Lord, that we uh, need to open our hearts uh, to new people. We need them to be uh, people who are a positive, transformative influence in our lives. And there's probably someone out there that we could be a positive, transformative influence in their life. And so, Father, would you just uh, serendipitously, supernaturally, uh, beyond our control, uh, just begin making those connections and cause us to just be as obedient as we can be to follow you. Uh, grow us together, knit us together as a community. Uh, we pray for the many, many people who are, are outside these walls, who haven't attended church, who don't know that there's a place where they can worship you. They don't know about the rows or the circles yet. Father, would you invite them in and would you cause us to have hearts that invite them in? Let us have big hearts with room for lots of people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you.